Hello and welcome to the Glamshuary podcast, where we talk about the experiential outdoor hospitality industry and glamping. I'm your host, Bobby Marsden. We are now in episode 11 of season two of the Glamshuary podcast, which means we are back with Etienne White and Heartsong Farm. Last we left Etienne, she was very busy. She was in the process of getting her bathrooms up to code. She was in the process of raising her A-frame and putting the finishing touches on her build, all leading up to some inspections, and hopefully she will pass those. Well, we did get some news, uh, some of it good, and some of it, well, we'll have to wait and see. And we'll let Etienne explain that when we get further into the episode. We'll also talk with Etienne about some of the experiences that she'll be offering to her guests, both on-site and some of the experiences that you can have in the general area when you visit her on her farm. So without further ado, let's dive into episode 11, season two with Etienne White and Heartsong Farm. Hi Etienne, good to see you again. Good to see you too, hello. So, this might be a big day because Last we spoke, you were waiting on some inspections that might be happening, and hopefully we're going to get two thumbs up uh, mm -hmm. with all that stuff. So where are you at with uh, the inspections and the build, and how's everything coming along with Heartsong mm -hmm. Farm? Yeah, well, we're, we are running to the finish line, um, and we haven't yet got to our inspections, but we have them scheduled now, which is great. We did have a slight unexpected delay. Um, I think as I've mentioned before, you know, this was so late in the day that I was able to line up the contractors. So we literally had it planned out every minute of every day, every single task that needs to be done. And there really wasn't any time to spare in there. Um, but unfortunately, um, somebody who was coming in to do spray foam installation in the A-frame cabin um, had a death in their family, Amish mm. family, lovely Amish family. Um, really sad a man fell from a ladder and literally landed head first and oh, no. died instantly 35 years old leaving three children behind hmm. um so yeah and so that's the kind of you know it's not like someone feeling like they don't feel like coming into work today that's the kind of thing where you just have to say wow you know take as long as you guys need um really you, you know take as long as you need and at that point honestly too you know, my deadline just went out the window. I was like, never mind. Like, if we don't, like, no one's going to die by us not making a deadline, you know? So um, there's really was this sort of, you know, life or death type of situation. It was death. And we have to, you know, honor that and, and mm -hmm. create space for that. Um, and so we did have a little setback of a couple of days there. Um, but then they came in, came in with his crew and did a marvelous job. Um, and so we're back on track. Um, so yeah, we're just racing to the finish line. I've been getting up early in the morning, 5 a.m. and staying up late at night. I've been doing the painting um, for the interior pieces for the bathroom and kitchen within the house myself, try and save some money and also honestly save time um, because the crew are in there during the day. I can paint overnight, get it primed, get color on and keep advancing it so that they've got other things they could focus on. So we're getting there. Well, it sounds like this is certainly a 24-hour operation, and you, you weren't kidding when you were saying you're running towards the finish line, and yeah. I think you make a great point that in any situation when you're building something, it doesn't always happen exactly how you plan it, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. not always about what happens in the moment, it's how you respond to what happens yeah. in that moment, and so I applaud right. how you responded, obviously, in, in that situation where there was a death um, and you're certainly right that the world will keep spinning 
Absolutely. You know, you'll be able to get up and have another day and another go at it mm-hmm. the following day, as long as you approach it from a positive perspective. And it sounds like you're doing that. Uh, and sooner or later, there's going to be a cheese cabin that's open to the public and mm-hmm. you want to make sure mm-hmm. it gets done right. So mm-hmm. it sounds like we'll be waiting uh, to hear the good news, mm-hmm. hopefully in the next episode, uh, mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. talk about inspections. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, it sounds like you're plugging along. And so mm-hmm. that's exciting. And, you know, there's one thing I think that we haven't really talked about and, and might this might be a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's all of the additional experiences and things that a guest would be able to do if they come and stay with you. The cheese cabin yeah. is a portion of that, and it's an important yeah. aspect because that's the structure that they'll be sleeping in. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when they're awake, they're going to be probably doing some really cool things. So let's talk about what kinds of fun things that a guest can do on Hardsong Farm when they come and visit yeah. you. Yeah, I'll actually start, I'm going to kind of answer your question in a more macro way to begin with, which is about the region. So it's a very specific bioregion. Um, it's very unique. It has unique ecosystem, unique set of subspecies um, in some instances. It's a part of the Midwest that did not get flattened by the glaciers, and it's known as the Driftless. And so there is um, a ton of great things to do in the Driftless region. And then proximity to the farm, we have a, a fantastic outdoor based in the forest Shakespeare uh, Shakespearean uh, theater company of uh, fantastic acting that rivals anything I've seen in New York or London actually um, we have Taliesin Frank Lloyd Wright's home and um, we have uh, Wisconsin's very first town that was the first one to be built and populated and lots of historic uh, places to visit um, as well as obviously you know um, rivers to coast and float down and and lakes um, and great, you know, kind of recreational opportunities. So it is somewhat of a tourist destination already. um, And so you get to stay on the farm and have access to to the region itself. Um, But then, yeah, specifically with the farm, there's a lot that I'm wanting to do and we'll see what the interest is around it. And I'll kind of let people's interest sort of lead how it unfolds really. Um, But for sure, we'll be doing um, foraging and, you know, uh, experiences on how to live, you know, seasonally and and in accordance with the seasons. So seasonal foraging walks. Um, We'll be also doing offering herbal uh, walks, too, because there's a lot of great herbs that are just right there on the farm growing wild that people can use and learn about their medicinal benefits, too. Um, Obviously, we have the sheep and the sheep free range. So you don't have to walk up to a paddock to go see them. You might open your door in the morning and there'll be one right there. Um, And depending on the season, um, there's lambing. And so there's little cuddly, cute lambs that you can help bottle feed if there's an orphan or one that's been rejected by their mom um, that you get to, you know, kind of hang out with. Um, And then all seasons long, the sheep really like apples as a treat and so some of them are a little skittish but others will come right up to you and eat an apple out of your hand and so really getting to kind of see firsthand how they're living and for those who are interested you know talks about regenerative agriculture and the way that we are using the sheep to help restore what was you know conventionally run um a conventionally run farm uh and we're looking now at you know sheep that you know don't have 
chemical dewormers, for example, which have awful cascading um, effects on, you know, the bugs, the insects, the waterways. Um, so we're really using the sheep to sort of restore the soil health on the farm. At the same time, raising really healthy sheep because they walk around, they get what they need, they self-medicate. And so for those who are interested, uh, be offering classes and experiences on that too. Um, you know, like other working farms, you can get up in the morning and if you don't want to do anything, that's fine. But if you do want to come feed the chickens, collect the eggs, cook the eggs you just collected, um, that's that's available too. Um, so really just using it as a way to help people understand better the source of their food and where their food comes from and the ways that it can be produced in a, in a way that's outside of the sort of industrial ag system. Um, and then too, and we've talked about this on one of the earlier episodes, in the sphere of sustainability where I work, it is very well documented that there is a sort of story of separation, how humans have sort of divorced themselves from nature. And we think of ourselves as two distinct things, as opposed to thinking of humans as, as being in an ecosystem. And you know, guess what? At best, we can actually be a beneficial participant in an ecosystem. And so working with people um, and just hosting them to allow them to be immersed in nature, to allow them to you know, be disconnected. There's no Wi-Fi in the cabin. There's Wi-Fi back at the house. You've got to walk 400 feet to get, you know, and there's really no cell service in the valley either. Um, so just really encouraging people to disconnect from the tech and their busy, you know, kind of hustle culture lives and immerse themselves in being out in nature. And so all of those things will be offered and we'll see which of those, you know, um, are, are of most interest to people and, and, and what kind of works for them. And then long-term, this is a, a pilot for me. I just have the one cabin right now. I'd like to be able to offer more. I have a fantastic 1873 stone barn that at some point I would love to renovate and convert. And so the longer term plan really would be to kind of bring both of my worlds together, the sort of professional working world and then the regenerative, you know, farming world and be able to host executive retreats and nature immersions at the farm and help guide people on their journey of um, marrying that that connection to nature with, you know, leadership and decision making in business. Um, you know, just for one example, Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs made his best decisions and had his best meetings while walking outside. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. how much of a 10x is that if you can do it in a forest, you know, and if you can do it maybe around a fire. Um, and so, you know, offering executive retreats to people where they really get to unplug, um, but still be engaged with the people that they work with, um, where they're delivering important missions and to be able to kind of create and hold space for them on that journey. Um, is a, is a sort of long-term dream of mine. Well, all of that sounds fantastic. And I think I wholeheartedly agree with you on the happier, healthier aspect mm -hmm. of what usually happens when you're outside. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like when you have yeah. so many things to engage with and learn from uh, on a farm, it even makes it more possible that you'll leave there happier, healthier, and probably wiser, <laughs> hopefully. Well, that... Yeah, that would be the hope. I think, um, you know, the, there's, a, there's a, a, a movement that's gaining momentum now called rewilding, where we just kind of let nature be and do as nature wants to be and do. And there's so much to be said for humans rewilding too. And so offering a space where people can just be what they are naturally wanting to be and do the things that feel good to them um, is exciting to me to be able to offer a space for that. Well, that's awesome. And... 
it is called the cheese cabin. Will there be any cheese-driven activities that you're you're fantasizing about? There will absolutely be um, cheese experiences. I'm lucky enough to know some award-winning cheesemakers, and I'm fortunate enough that they are excited um, about this opportunity in this cabin that's a celebration of cheese I'm building. And so we are in discussion about offering experiences where folks get to understand the cheesemaking process, meet and you know speak with artisan cheesemakers, and of course, eat the cheeses, try the cheese, and maybe even look at some cheese and wine pairings. We have some great um, vineyards close to our farm too. And so maybe looking at um, combining cheese and wine. So yes, those experiences will be offered too. Well, it sounds like a great way to end the day after a long day of farming and lambing and foraging Mm -hmm. and all the other activities that you might be partaking in. Yes, yeah. Communing around food is another great connector for us, yeah. I'm excited to experience all these things. I'm sure you're excited to offer these experiences. It sounds mm-hmm. like there's some things that need to happen before that, some finishing mm-hmm. touches, if you will, mm-hmm. and then some inspections. Uh, and so we'll look forward to hearing all about that. I think in the next episode, maybe at that point, we can also talk a little bit about some of the fine details that you might be adding Uh, as far as like the type of sheets that you might be sleeping on or Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. some things that you might find inside the cheese cabin. I I always like Mm -hmm. to look at those things, the little knickknacks, because I think it's truly an opportunity where you can set yourself apart from other people that might be doing something similar. We definitely have, we're having some fun with cheese. I have everything from a super cute little uh, cheese door wedge, a wedge of cheese to hold the door open um, to some other, yeah, fabulous cheese inspired things. So, um, I'll be able to talk about that with you next time. Sounds good. We'll get cheesy. (laughs) We'll get very (laughs) cheesy. It's going to be a really cheesy episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Etienne. I'll let you get back to it. Good luck with everything, and we'll we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Well, there's a mantra that I like to live by, and that is progress is progress no matter how big or small. And Etienne has definitely made a lot of progress across the life cycle of this project. She has a little bit further to go, and hopefully in the next episode, we'll hear about all the thumbs up that she got across all her inspections. To follow along with Etienne's journey and Jesse's journey in season two, you can do so on our website, which is www.glampshuary.com. That is www.glamptuary.com. You can also follow along on Apple Podcasts, Pandora Podcasts, or Stitcher, and you can also follow on YouTube. We don't care how you follow us, we just ask that you follow. Until we see you next time, be well, and we'll see you on the next episode.